Just put them on my blanket. It's all right. Okay. And I'll introduce our guest later. But yeah. Okay. Um, hello and welcome to the Drain Daz podcast. My name's Daz. This is usually where Dre comes in, but he's going to remain silent this time. <laughs> my name's Dre. <laughs> and today we are doing another football review. And um, we're actually joined by our, a special guest today by the name Irks. Hello. Hello, I am Irks. <laughs> and I nice. am a Tottenham fan. Oh, gosh. Shit. I don't know why we brought in yeah, a Tottenham fan, but... I think you do. <laughs> I guess all the Tottenham fans out there will be happy that they now have a voice on the Drain Dance podcast. What? No, nah. my friends. Do you know, do you know what, yeah, to be fair, I would say I've been quite unbiased. I don't think I've been biased on the podcast. I don't know. I've heard some of the comments you say about United and Arsenal. Oh, well, yeah, but it's facts, well. though. That's No, but that's true. That's an agenda. That's an no, agenda. Not. What, what, that's true. What team do you support, Dre? Arsenal. Ah, so we've got Arsenal, Liverpool and Tottenham. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So we've got well, a good mix of So what I was going to say... Before I forget, so for people listening, something happened before the podcast um, in Arsenal, which I want to talk about. So apparently, yeah, David Luiz has punched up Ceballos in training. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, for real, bro. It literally just came on Twitter before and apparently Ceballos' nose is broken. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just before we started recording, um, I think Ceballos may have released a statement on his social media saying that it was false, but you know, who knows, who that knows? could be just players, players covering it up. But that's a mad thing though. But that is what? crazy. That is, mad I mean, David Luiz obviously has that history as a bit of a hothead, so it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if anyone, when you said David Luiz, I straight away thought it was true. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, there's only about two, three players in an Arsenal squad that would do something like that. Kolasinac, Socrates, yeah, and David Luiz. <laughs> Honestly, nah. What about? Yeah, yeah she don't really. Nah, I who who else is like a is about it like that? Nah, p- party. He's, he's a good physical. He's nice, player. isn't it? A nice guy. He's nice. He's nice on the ball and nice off the pitch. Right? I can see Gabriel oh. punching up someone. <laughs> Gabriel, I can't lie. What I can't... reason would he have? What reason would he have? Do you know what? Yeah, one time in the season he would definitely punch up Mustafi. You're gonna put... definitely judging a book by its cover. You would assume like. The the hardest guys in Arsenal were definitely like Thomas Partey and yeah. Gabriel and Kalasinak as well. But I don't actually think Kalasinak's on it. Yeah, he, he backed uh, Ozil like that, but that's like sort of a life or death situation. But I don't know. I don't know. Kalasinak in games is very not a very passionate player in my opinion. I think he's a passionate player. He just I don't think he's on the smoke like that. I don't think he as a defender he sort of throws his body in front of stuff though I think he's yes physical he can do the 50-50s he can win those sort of duels but I actually think I don't know I don't really see him as like like a Vidic who will just throw himself in front of anything I don't find him a 100% committed player at times and I don't know obviously a huge guy though yeah very huge guy it's interesting you say that because that actually leads into our first question of the day do you think that football players in this day and age are more softer than what they were maybe 5, 10, 20 years ago? Yes. Hmm. 
Because I don't, I don't think they're softer. I think the game has become more technical. Whereas obviously back in like the classic Roy Keane days, physicality won you matches and uh, midfield battles and scraps like that. But I think where the game's sort of become more intricate and more beautiful, shall we say, with the Pep evolution of the game and uh, the way it's just sort of gone, I, I just don't think it, it's as physical a game as it used to be. Maybe you've still got those characters there in the modern game, but they just can't do the sort of things that they were doing 10, 20 years ago. Mm. And plus with like... the evolution of like refs now and the, well, not refs, but the uh, the rule book and how flippant you can just touch someone and they go down nowadays and you'll get a yellow for it, I think. Yeah, the diving. There's, yeah, they have to be a lot more careful nowadays. But is it diving or is it challenge? Well, I guess punishing a defender for making a silly challenge that the referee might not necessarily catch. Yeah, it can be seen as smart play. Because there's, there's a lot of players now who's starting to get a bit of stick for it. Um, Salah. <laughs> Harry Kane. But like these players, I'm not saying that they're divers because I think there's a big difference between like simulation and diving and just going down under contact or what they feel like is a foul. Because like, you could be running as fast as you can and it only takes the slightest knot to knock you off balance. Now, you could be off balance, but if you, it's like if you don't fall down, the referee won't see it, he won't give it. So players now are kind of conditioned. So if you take that contact, just go down and hit the decks, especially if it's going to award you your, your team a pen. I would say, like for, like, for the question, I think that back in the day, I don't know who I, who I was watching yesterday, but someone was actually talking about this. And he was saying, like, with, oh, oh, this is what it was. They're speaking about Michael Owen, yeah? It was on Filthy Fellas, actually. They're speaking about um, Michael Owen and, like, how he got injury prone. And they were saying, like, because he played from 18, he got kicked so many times that by the time he was a certain age, he was just injury prone. And it's like, back then, back in the day, the way it used to sort of be was, like, if a player was sort of like Michael Owen, or a Neymar now, it would just be like, go out there and just kick him. Do you know well, what I mean? That's what's, that's what's happening to Neymar now. He just keeps getting fouled left, right and centre. Yeah, um... but, yeah, but I think back then it was more acceptable. Like, when you, like, when you look at certain teams back then, when, when it would be like, that first tackle never got a yellow card because you're allowed that first tackle. Now you're not allowed to do that. You know, it's, it's funny you say that because one, I guess the biggest example of that is the original Brazilian Ronaldo. He was literally kicked out and Pele. You know, kicked out the game <laughs> and Pele to the point where it's like he was getting ACL injuries left, right. Just get and whacked. Honestly. Mm. I mean, centre backs back then never used to be nowhere near as athletic as they are now. You look at sort yeah. of having one pacey centre back nowadays in the game and having like one Van Dyke is going to win all the aerial duels here and. Uh, Van Dyke, Shout out the fridge. Of, um... Maguire. <laughs> yeah, exactly like a Maguire and Eric Dyer. You have that big, hefty guy who's going to win all your aerial duels, win all the physical battles. And then you kind of have the other guy who's like a Joe Gomez, a Davinson Sanchez, who's going to be a bit more athletic and chase That's down those faster players. Sanchez but in Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's day was more big Ronaldo, that is. Um, obviously, he had so much pace and defenders were kind of... You just had two fridges back in them days, but two very defensive fridges you don't really mm. and, fridge nowadays. and you didn't see a high line as much anymore so that's yeah. why it kind of helps the the fridges as as you called it with their style of play whereas now everyone's required to be more athletic i feel like with the the uh, improvements in sports science players are a lot more in better condition and 
they can, as you lot were saying earlier, function on the pitch a lot better where they don't have to resort to, you know, gritty styles of playing, just kicking people out of the game to win. Whereas now it's a lot more based on your ability. I would say mainly though, it's just, it's just because the game's got a lot softer in regards to if you take out that guy, you're most likely going to get a yellow card. But I think it still does exist in some levels. Like for example, when Sergio Ramos took out Salah, in the final, and, this, and that's literally in the Champions League final. Man, the, yeah, man pulled him down and, and broke his arm. Yeah, you know I mean, like, <laughs> dislocated his shoulder, but yeah, so, yeah, do you know, do, do know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, he literally done it on the biggest stage, do you know what I mean? So, well, we're going for the years ways. of Eric Cantona, like, or like people fly kicking people in crowds to the point now where Lamella will touch someone's face and you know, do you know what people do, falling down. Do you know what as well? Yeah, I think back then the game was a lot more stiff in regards to like you had like let's say when you look at Arsenal's defence or even different defences back then, they were just very like big guys, can't really run fast. If you get in like like if you get Ian Wright, just kick him. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. like we're definitely not gonna be able to catch him. So just whack him up. Yeah, one hundred percent. The game is a lot more athletic nowadays. Like Yeah, even, it's different. I've kind of seen it firsthand where, you know, even players nowadays, every single player, including goalkeepers, has to have like a, a certain um, a certain percentage of body fat on them now. It has to be below a certain point. Whereas back in the day, you know, you could have a centre back with like a couple pounds on him, and they didn't really drunk as well. Exactly, <laughs> it added to the physicality. If anything, like you'd win a game and go down the pub and have a beer to celebrate that. That's yeah, how you exactly. Even now, football is so clean cut in diet, training, and everything. You know, every centre-back has a six-pack now. It wasn't like that back in the day, or at least in top divisions nowadays. Do you know what, yeah, like, as well, you can't really go out and say, yeah, we're going to whack my man, because even if you went to, let's say, Leicester or Wolves, yeah, who aren't even, let's say, top four, four teams, like the top four, even if you went to them and say, we're going to take him out, all of them are sort of little and fast anyway, so all of them will just run around you. Oh, that yeah. is true, that is true. So, like, you can't really do that because they'll just pick you apart. It's like City and that old Barcelona team can pass at a completely different level, but everyone can sort of pass the ball now. It's like everyone's passing up from the goalkeeper, whereas, whereas before it would just be like, get out, the fuck are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, now mm. they're, they're, they're actively trying to pass from the goal to the defender. The defender has to be able to play with the ball. Otherwise, you're not really seen as a good defender. Well, it's, it's fine you say that then, because would you say that your enjoyment of watching football has increased or decreased from like when we was younger to nowadays? Depends. Depends. I think I enjoy football on a different level nowadays, because as a child, it's just like, oh, I want my team to score, whereas now I sort of understand the game a bit better, and I sort of probably tactically analyse games a bit more nowadays, which is mm. slightly more boring. But obviously, you know back in the day, like watching the North London derby, you're just sort of hoping your team will score. Whereas now you can kind of tell where the game is leaning and that sort of affects your mood. Yeah, it's more throughout the game. Yeah. But I, which yeah. I prefer, personally. Mm. It's like, I feel like for me as well, it's a bit difficult to answer that question because Arsenal's been playing this football for a long time anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, we haven't been passing it from the goalkeeper, but we've always sort of had that creativity. And now when it's come creative, Arsenal aren't creative. So it's sort of difficult for me to answer that question. No, yes, yeah, the, the lack of one one or well, one player really, I think, 
uh, I've seen you lot linked with Christian Eriksen this week. That's quite an interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would that be a mad thing. How, how would you react if he went to Arsenal? Sorry, a bit sidetracky, sh- but um, I'll ask my question after this. <laughs> Personally, I'd be I'd be quite heartbroken. Um, as after Musa Dembele left, he was bar Musa Dembele mm. during that Pochettino era, he was my favourite player, like the most beautiful player to watch on the pitch. Uh, but he is everything Arsenal needs. So that would hurt even more on some level. That yeah, I, I think he would completely, he would transform that team. Like even where towards the end of his reign at Tottenham, where Jose came in and you could see the Spurs fans were getting frustrated with him and he wasn't putting in the effort. Um, even without putting in the effort, he, him just being on the pitch made us move a lot better in, in, in the attack and transition. And I think, uh, we have lost that even a bit this season, even though we're sort of flying right now. I think we've sort of made up for it with um, a combination of Pierre, uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, who can sort of play those penetrative passes and, um, and Dombele slash Lo who can sort of just carry the ball into those dangerous areas. But not one of our midfield three now have the flair of like an Eriksen. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's been a complete style of play change for us. Well, that actually leads into one of my questions. So, the first question I'll ask you: yeah? What's your thoughts on Mourinho? And when you're explaining it, how does he compare to Pochettino? Do you think the team's improved? Do you still think you should have Pochettino? And what do you think of the style of play in general? Um, so with Pochettino, I think I think he was sacked too early, personally. I think I would have given him till the end of the season, especially considering everything is achieved. You look at Pep today, he signed a two two year contract extension and he's currently on the decline. Like every sign would point to him leaving C rather than signing a contract. And I feel like Poch was done a bit dirty in that sense. But at the same time, um, I think Mourinho is more tactical than Poch. Um, And I think this Mourinho team, it's not as enjoyable to watch as Poch's team. Uh, Poch's team played beautiful football. And I think think Mourinho is the better manager for us right now, personally, because he can take us to that, that next level. So... Poch took us to that next level where we're in the Champions League, we're, we're regularly there, we're at the top but not winning trophies. I think Mourinho breaks that barrier down. He he gets us a trophy and if he doesn't, I'll, I will be genuinely shocked because he's done it at every single club. He's done it at, at clubs, not worse clubs than Tottenham but with Teams worse than this current Tottenham team for sure. Less like his United team, sort of. yeah, one hundred percent. This Tottenham team, and he's been heavily backed by Daniel Levy more than Poch was ever backed. So, mm. I think, I think Mourinho personally has a strong influence at Tottenham right now. I think everyone's invested. I think the players are invested, and I think he's even got Daniel Levy invested more than Poch could. I think he's managed to convince Daniel Levy, look, I can, I can bring you something here because. <sighs> If we went into this window with Poch, I don't see us getting in Gareth Bale, Sergio Reguilón, who was one of Europe's elite left-backs last year. 
Uh, maybe the Pierres, yeah, the McDockies, who were sort of in the last year of their contract. But yeah, I think this is one of the best transfer windows I've seen from Tottenham in the Premier League era. It's, it's funny you say that because I think from the outside looking in, what it feels like is like when Mourinho or certain managers go to certain clubs, though they have like a certain clout to them, also players in that dressing room have to take to them as well. So it's like if Mourinho was at Manchester United, maybe not everyone, but there's people like Paul Pogba who has won leagues with Juventus and there are other high-profile players. Whereas I feel like at Spurs, not to say that none of the players haven't achieved anything good at the club, because I feel like their development is an achievement within itself. But I don't think that there's an ego there that feels like they're bigger than Mourinho. And I feel like yeah, it, no. helps, yeah, it helps the team to kind of buy into the whole project. And it's like, whether we like him or not, whether we've 100% agree with his tactics or not, this man's won stuff. I haven't. Maybe there's something that he has that I need. So I'm going to put my full faith in him and kind of just see where he takes us. And I feel like Spurs' form, especially in the beginning of this season, has been one of the best. I think you have been one of the best teams to watch. Not necessarily because you had like an outstanding amount of flair throughout your team, though Harry Kane's kind of showing that, but because you have this ruthlessness about you that I haven't seen for a while. Yeah, and I think you could even look at someone like Harry Kane, who arguably has bigger status than Paul Pogba, if not at least the same in the world of football. But, you know, he can't do a Pogba and turn around and say, oh, I've won this, this, that. How can you not play me? Because he hasn't. He hasn't. Like, he's been a world-class player, but he's not been part of a team that has won anything. And I think that's where Mourinho actually... I think he probably has got the investment of these players a lot more than he had of the United players because United players, even though a lot of them hadn't won anything, you know, I think there was a mixture of maybe egos and immaturity there, even probably Rashford back then and Lingard. It's, it's kind of like because they're big, the biggest characters at United... Either some of them have won something or they came with such a reputation or such a price tag that they kind of commanded the, I guess, respect of the media. Even if some like people don't like them, but you kind of perceive them as a high-profile player, whether they've won a lot or not. People like Martial, people like, I don't know, well, Rashford came up from their academy. But you know what I mean. I think with there's them, a lot of... I think at United, there was a lot of sort of, uh, how you say... I don't know. There wasn't. They didn't trust. <laughs> they didn't trust Mourinho because when results weren't going away, I think they just straight blamed the manager. I think there was a lot of immaturity in that team. Whereas I think at Spurs, that's a lot of egos as well. Leaders, a lot of egos, but I think there's more mature heads in Tottenham. I think players like Harry Kane, uh, now Hoiberg, uh, Vertonghen, and Alderweireld. Obviously, he had Vertonghen when he first came in. I think even though they hadn't won anything, they were a much more driven, leader-based. Uh, the players I've named specifically are a lot more leader-based than what United had. And I think leaders will take to Mourinho more than sort of kids will and even people like Pogba who have won, won things, but uh, still kind of a bit of an immature character, still plays up for the media a bit, especially social media. You know, he's that bubbly guy. Mm. I wouldn't say um, it's like kids and leaders. I would say it's more like the Man United players are like well-renowned superstars. So, like, even though they may have not 
like every single player proved it. Like they play for Man United, you're getting paid this much, you should win this, you should win that. Whereas with whereas with Tottenham, you're sort of like not in a disrespectful way, you're like a big you're you're like a small club doing big things right now because because you don't have the history to back it up. And like with the players, because they haven't won anything, now a winner walks in and he's like, Look, I'm gonna take you there. Because I think you lot have been very close to getting there with like when with the whole Leicester thing and a couple of years after that coming third but not really getting over that line. I think Jose like gives you something else where it's just like, look, I'm going to get you over that line and this is how to win. Whereas Pochettino was like, yeah, we're going to play our way in that. But Jose just brings strictly a winning mentality. We're going to win and that's it. Do you know what I mean? And like, to, jump, to jump onto your comment about and you, your one as well, Alex, about like the certain players that you named, Vertonghen, Harry Kane, uh, Lloris. If you also look at the age of these players, under Poch, they were quite young, what, 23, 24, 25. It, it yeah. almost felt like they had all the time in the world. It's like, if we didn't win it this year, we can win it next year, we can win it next year. Now, Harry Kane's like 27, he's looking around. He's 28, I think. Almost 28. And he's thinking, if I don't win something now, when am I going to win something? Like, either I'm going to have to make a big move or something's going to have to change. And now that Mourinho is here, I think a lot of players have looked at themselves and thought, I'm coming to the twilight of my career at Spurs. And this is going to be probably Spurs' best opportunity huh. to go on and win something. Because like, all his career is very short. I'd say after this year, though, if Tottenham don't win anything, I can't lie. If I was Kane, I'd have to leave. Well, I think that was kind of part of Levy's thinking when employing Mourinho, because I think, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of the players would have said, look, despite Pochettino being there, if we don't win anything in the next year or two, I'm out because, you know, we had a lot of world-class players. And, you know, if you're not winning anything, like even at the time, Deli Alli's, Ericsson's, uh, Harry Kane's, all of them can go to, human sons even, they can go to the biggest clubs in the world. They can go to the Barca's, the Madrid's. But I think, with Levy sacking Poch so abruptly, I think part of that was thinking, if I bring Mourinho in, he can get these players reinvested in the project. And I think that was also, you know, one thing is bringing in Mourinho as a winner. It's another thing, bringing in Mourinho, who's going to get all your top players locked in. And I think that's what he's done. You look at Toby Alderweireld, he was on the verge of leaving. And then yeah. two, two months under Mourinho, he signed a new contract. I don't think if Poch was still there, he would have signed that contract. You know, people you know get what? sick of hearing the same voice. It's just the way it is. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, yeah, with um, Alderweireld. Did I say that right? Alderweireld. How'd you say it? Alderweireld, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. What do you think about Vertonghen leaving? Just stick with, to- with Toby. <laughs> yeah, Toby. What do you think about Vertonghen leaving? Do you think that was the right choice? I think, yeah, from Spurs' point of view, yeah, I think it was the right choice. I think, you know, this season... I don't think he would have got a lot of games. Obviously, a couple uh, in a couple moments last season, he got exposed uh, for his lack of pace now. And don't get me wrong, I think Vertonghen was the better of the Belgian partnership there. I think Vertonghen over the years has been the better defender than Alderweireld. Alderweireld more in the team for his his passing and his you know his long balls. And I think Vertonghen done his job, but the decline was evident and yeah it was time to reinvest you know I think he was 33 when he left um ran down his contract and um obviously we've reinvested this summer anyway so 
in this current crop of players, Vertonghen doesn't play a game all season, I don't think. Maybe mm. maybe a cup game. Well, speaking so. of lineups and stuff, unless you had another question, Dre. Bro, I have like 10 questions, son. Uh, <laughs> Dre can go on forever, so you might yeah, sprinkle literally. a few in later. But, um, looking towards this weekend, how do you think your team's going to line up against City? Oh, my starting 11. What I think yeah, Mourinho will play. Why would they line up any differently? You never know. To be, to well, be fair, I don't know Spurs' lineup that well. So. Yeah, I reckon. I'm going to say a starting 11 because I think <laughs> I can come back to this and have a look. <laughs> but um, I reckon yeah. it'll be Lloris in goal, obviously. Yeah. Or at right back because Doherty's got COVID now. Um, oh, that's unfortunate. I hope he gets well soon. It'll be. I think. No, actually, you're not. Sorry, I'm. I'm so sorry to cut you. You turn on this. With this international break, so many players have caught COVID. Like, yeah, it's mad. Whose idea it was? They are Arsenal players as well. Yeah, with this pandemic, let's just send everyone out to every country. Different countries when we're on lockdown. When we're in lockdown for the Nations League as well. Like months, a couple months ago, we were talking about you know suspending the Prem and completely calling it off. Ligue 1 completely got called off. Like, yeah. why, why continue with the Nations League of all things? Like, it's kind of irrelevant. I, I know some, it, I, I know for the Euros and whatnot, it kind of plays a part, but it, it, in my opinion, it was irrelevant and it didn't need to happen, especially. With is the Euros still got. happening? Or is it just completely oh, deaded off? No, I think they've postponed it for next year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from a non selfish perspective, you know. I feel like this international break could have been used to allow players to rest during this con- congested fixture list, I guess. You know, I'm not saying it because Gomez got injured on the first day of training or, you know, Robertson getting a hamstring injury or Henderson getting a hamstring injury. You know, it's <laughs> nothing to do with that. Or Salah catching or, COVID. Or Trent. So, Trent. Nothing to do, do with that. Do you know that. what, yeah? <laughs> do you know what? With that, like with Liverpool picking up them injuries, I think if Tottenham beat City, your favourites to win the league, you know? You know, Liverpool has the most injuries in the league currently. I yeah, believe. fuck Liverpool. You're not a bloody surprise, <laughs> mate. Yeah, li- yeah. I really Liverpool are finished this season, bro. If Liverpool are done, I, I, I think... still expect us to win. Don't worry, bro. Your lineup against Leicester is Mane, Wijnaldum and Alisson, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, we've got like eight um, senior, like, first-team players out. Salah's got COVID, bro. You're done at yeah. it. Gonna... Sorry, you know what? This is not a, a Liverpool starting lineup. If Tottenham put in a convincing performance... Against City, which which City didn't do against Liverpool, even when they didn't have Van Dijk, I think, yeah, you have to put Tottenham as favourites because they have all their players fit. We do, but I think I think this running. So I don't know if you've seen our fixture list. I think this running, we've got City. You have Arsenal soon. We have Arsenal soon. I think in two weeks. Mm. Um, oh no, maybe a month actually. We've got Chelsea coming up and Liverpool, and then even when that sort of cluster of fixtures ends I think it's after Boxing Day we go into like the Leicesters and Wolves which is still pretty yeah, hard yeah that's a hard well, fixtures if, man if yeah, you our, want, our can... November December's a bit mad right now so I uh, think that whole period will be instrumental to whether we are champion material or not mm. well I'm actually going to read out Spurs' next fixtures for the rest of November and December so on the 21st you have Spurs versus Manchester City uh, afterwards, you have Ludogorets, then Chelsea, then what? oh my yep. god, 
And then another Europa League game. Then Arsenal. Then Antwerp. <laughs> then Crystal Palace. <laughs> then Liverpool. Then Leicester. Then Stoke. Then Wolves. Then Fulham. And then on the 1st of January, you have Leeds. I actually take back Tottenham being like... favourites. <laughs> it's, that, it's that cluster, I tell you now. Uh, you take Crystal Palace and Stoke out of there, and that is just pure I mean, no, fear. You, you keep in Crystal Palace this year. Yeah, Crystal Palace are hard. Still a team. It's hard. It's hard uh, okay, yeah, to get yeah. that move. As a, you know, he's... They're, they're on a hot run, but Hodgson's always been very, you know... He, he'll lose games, he'll win games, but he's, he's a good manager, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. And you know what, yeah? Like, after that run, you're going to have a good run of games that you can win. I'm, I mean, I did see a, a Spurs and a... Uh, sorry, a Liverpool and someone else in there. Just, just saying. No, I, I mean... The only one I'm happy about is Liverpool in that run because, like, it's a, the perfect time to yeah. play Liverpool, really. It's true, it's true. I mean, if teams don't beat us now with the amount of injuries we have, then, boy, everyone's yeah. holding corn on the group I chat. think that... <laughs> I would like... I think this year that Tottenham, if they put in a convincing performance against City, they're favourites. But I think City will win it, to be honest. Actually, you know what? You reckon? Um, yeah. Go on. We, we were speaking before this podcast started, and you mentioned that you was actually feeling quite confident. Yeah, no, I think this is the first time we're going into it. in a, Probably since 2017, I think we're going into it as favourites. Yeah, you um, are. That doesn't really get me excited, to be fair, because... <laughs> Every time we go into something as favourites, it usually backfires. But uh, Tottenham is that club that builds up hope and then just takes it away from you suddenly. Do you know what? Yeah, with um, with Tottenham as well. Like even though Jose is here, yeah, and he's bringing that winning, winning um, what's the word? Mentality. Like in regards to just grinding out games and like Tottenham have this thing, yeah, where they how how do I explain this? Like they get to crunch time and then all of them just explode. Like, they have this thing, it's like, do you remember that Chelsea game when, when they played, when they lost against Leicester? They just have this thing where they just switch and they just can't get over that line. And I would say that's the only reason why Is I can't the see that them was winning two, the two. league. Yeah, but like... That's, that's Mourinho's job. I think that's the reason Mourinho's here. Because Mourinho will win games ugly. Like, I don't think he... And I, I think Mourinho will tactically analyse the big teams a lot better than... Uh, than Poch did. I think Poch built a team that played such beautiful football we could just outplay any team. Whereas, you know, obviously under Mourinho, he is not like that. I think we're playing very good football now, but I yeah. think he is going to break down these teams more. He'll have a full-on pinpoint, bullet-pointed plan for each of these games. And Mourinho, from what I understand, is a bit of a... a well, I don't know what the word is. He he will obsess about these games. I think he was he will stay up all night and yeah, and definitely watch all of their previous games, and he will he will go in with a full on plan. You know, with them games as well, yeah. The one where I look at where I can't see you guys winning, funny enough, is 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 actually the Arsenal game. Oh, of course, because you would say. no, no, so no, no, no. Wait, 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 just okay. Because yeah, <laughs> the only thing is. The way things are going, if like, let's say Arsenal lose again, this actually suits Arteta perfectly in regards they to got how Aston Villa. Sharp, man. Yeah, Aston Villa <laughs> smoked you, man. I don't know what ah, cool. Sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what you're talking about. But but the thing is, yeah, this is the type of thing that actually suits the way Arteta plays in regards to inviting teams and then kitting them on the counter when we're the underdog. Do you know what I mean? It's usually when we're the favourites when we get smoked. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, but I don't know, with Mourinho, it's a bit different. Like, Arteta is such a new manager. I don't know, can he out-tactics Mourinho is the thing. He couldn't do it last season. And I think, you know, in this game, it was it was very 50-50, this game. You know, we were obviously very hit and miss all season with our form. And so were you. You just kind of had that slight revival under Arteta at that point. And we won the game 2-1. So it, it makes me wonder if just maybe we've got that extra bit of grittiness for seeing out wins than you at the moment. But at the same time, I think you lot are building something that will probably lead to more intricate, more beautiful football. But at this current point in time, I don't think it's fully done with Arteta. I don't think he's got the team fully flowing yeah, the way he wants. It's a, it's a process. So I definitely. think it's actually a good time to play Arsenal as well. But at the same time, you're starting to see now, compared to like post-lockdown and the restart of last season, you're starting to see now how it's kind of coming together at Arsenal. And I think Thomas Party is a great addition, to be fair, yeah. as much as I hate to say it. Do you know what, yeah, with, um, like, taking it back to Tottenham and, like, their, their, their challenge for, for the league, the reason I say City as well is because, because there's so many games, players are going to pick up injuries. And let's say if Son and Kane get, get injured or one of them gets injured, I can't see another guy coming in and doing, Well, that's like, what they got for. Yeah, but even if Bell comes in, it's like, when I look at City, every position is covered. I don't know anymore, though, with City. Like, you could say that two seasons ago, but I don't know anymore. Because, like... I would say, you know, ex- like, except Gabriel. I'd say that's the, the only position is, that ain't, ain't really solidified. When we talk about City now, the, the way I see City is like... It's like a cracked glass of a submarine. You know, it's still strong. It's, you know, designed to withstand a lot of pressure. But there's just an insecure, like... You can't look at the City now and think, yeah, they're definitely going to go away and win 2-0, 3-0, 4-0. I think now there's that. And it's not just about COVID. They've been looking a bit shaky in the past two years. And I feel like right now you're starting to see some of the areas where City really struggled in. Like defensively, they're just not as strong. Even if they've got, what, Ake, uh, is it Ruben Diaz and Laporte's back? Uh, I saw I saw a couple stats. Um, I think uh, just a couple of hours ago, actually, where I think City's shot numbers per game are down from last season. I think they're only taking about fourteen shots a game this season, which is uh, their lowest since I think about twenty sixteen. Um, and I think the Bruins' creative numbers have gone down. Key passes have gone down, and I think a lot of that is to do with the lack of an out-and-out striker right now. I don't think Gabriel Jesus is doing. A job there. Aguero is obviously getting more and more injury prone, and I think they have a big problem there. They've sort of tried this front three of sort of Sterling and Mahrez's and Torres, and just makeshift players in the striker position, and you know it, it just doesn't flow the same way it used to. It's it's funny you say that though because you just mentioned that they're less creative and De Bruyne is doing less key passes, but there's one part of that midfield that no one spoke about that much and. With the departure of David Silva, he was a very, very key player for them. And he allowed for that press and intensity to be there while also having that creative flair with him. And it yeah. kind of helps. Like, he could bounce off the Bruyne that they could just set each other up and help out the rest of the team. Yeah, they needed to like replace him better. I was saying in the last podcast that I think they need someone else to replace Aguero. Like, obviously, when Aguero's there, it's good, but he's just not 
he's he, he's not consistent enough with the games. He just gets injured. I mean, they need a consistent striker that's there on a regular basis. That's world class. Yeah, they do need to replace the at some stage. And and you know what? I was actually mm. thinking when we were speaking about Kane earlier, and this is a scary thought, you know, because I think if Tottenham didn't win anything this year, think like it, if you actually think about it, which team in the Prem can actually sign Kane? And like, yeah, exactly. And then actually have space for him. I say it's literally, <laughs> yeah, it's literally City. He walks into any squad and sitting United are the only people with the financial. Well, actually, technically Chelsea, you could say. No, no, no. But like, has the, the financial is, backing. He no, isn't really a pet player, though, in my opinion. Well, he like he can link up play. To be fair, Pep, I, I've always called Harry Kane the English Lewandowski. And Pep has been with Lewandowski for a long time and showed that he can work with a big striker who has technical mm. ability. So I think, I think he'll get the best out of Kane. Yeah, I think, I don't know, with Kane, it's sort of, I think his creativity and his link-up play is sort of showing more in a, in a Mourinho team because of the way we transition into attacks now, obviously. Uh, we sort of attract teams towards us and then hit them on the break. And I think when Kane drops deep, it just allows... And also you've got um, Son and Lucas there who are so fast they can literally burn anyone. But uh, he would have that at City, but I just don't... Obviously, Pep won't play that sort of football where, you know, Kane will be dropping deep and playing balls in behind the high line. You know, City are the ones that play the high line. They aren't the ones that play against the high line. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'd be very hard to see Kane fitting into a Pep system. I think, unless he did literally turn him into Lewandowski, which uh, Kane surprises me. Kane comes out of a lot of new attributes every single season. I feel he's a very dynamic player. Years ago, we said that he couldn't play with his back to goal, and he kind of just proved everyone wrong. And I feel like he is one of the most complete attackers I've seen in the past three, four years. I've seen a lot of clinical strikers. I've seen a lot of fast attackers, a lot of skillful attackers. You rarely see attackers that can be both clinical and creative at the same time. It's it's quite rare. I've said for seasons, his passing is so underrated as well. Like you saw glimmers of it under Poch where he could just sort of get the ball, switch it outright (laughs) to like a Trippier or someone. He doesn't pass. Um, he just shoots the ball at players and they get to him. That's what yeah. I say. But with hella accuracy. Hella yeah, accuracy. It's crazy. No, no. He, he's very, his passing is underrated, to be fair. Well, with, um, with Kane, where would you rank him in like the world's best strikers? Of all time or just the present day? All, all time, you know. No, present day. <laughs> yeah, present day. I think if you're just saying like this season, I think he's back up there in number one in Europe, maybe level with Lewandowski. Because I think 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, obviously three back-to-back golden boots. I think he was up there with the best strikers in the world anyway. And I think he was joint sort of number one with Aguero and Lewandowski anyway. But now Aguero dropped off, Lewandowski stayed sort of at that level. Uh, Obviously, Hansi Flick's done an incredible job at Bayern as well. So I think, yeah, I think him and Lewandowski are kind of unmatched in Europe right now. Mm. I would say them two and them two and probably Firmino for me. Firmino? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. I, knew this guy, I was like, wait, are you serious? Listen, listen. listen. <laughs> they, 
I'm setting a precedent from now, right? I will tolerate zero Firmino slack. Are you hearing me? There's no one that can come to this podcast and chat bad of my guy, Firmino. Not that yet. guy is different. Like, so, quick question on, like, on a side note. Would you say Firmino is top 10 strikers in the room? No. No. Well, yeah. He's not a striker. He's not a striker for me. Like, <laughs> he's a centre forward. But he's like... Yeah. The only centre forward that is actually a centre forward, if that makes sense. Like mm. he literally is a link up player. Like yes, he does well. The two a season or two ago, he was getting goals on top of that. But it's always been his link up play that's more important to that Liverpool team than his goal contribution. It's always Salah Mane who get the goal contributions. It's funny because we were talking about this the other day, Dre. Uh, one thing that you said was that there are certain players, like world class players, who they have the stats to back up their claim to being world-class and there's other plays that they just need to pass the eye test like you literally you have, to, have to watch them to see what they do and I yeah. feel like a lot of people that don't watch Firmino doesn't understand what Erks was saying his link-up play with the other players and allowing other players to shine now do I think Firmino can be doing more yes do I think he can be scoring more yes but the I'll reason why Colaster. I I think his world-class but, well, this is going to go into another topic, to be fair. I think it's world-class because the standard of world-class has went down. No, like, I would say... Would, would he be world-class 20 years ago, in your opinion? No, but, like, I would say focusing on today, I think the only player that can do what he does better than him is Thomas Muller. Even then, I think they're slightly different players. Um, Thomas Muller does link up. He does score. I, I understand why you say it, because he... With, <laughs> Well, he could just be a cam, but his best position is in between that striker and that centre mid or that attacking centre mid role. So that is, it's quite confusing as to what his role is. Do you know like what, as well, yeah. Effective like, at it, though. Yeah, and I think he's one of them type of players where he has to sit and he has to fit in a certain team. Like, if you played him in a System couple player. of different teams, he wouldn't, he wouldn't fit. Like, he looks really good as well because he has Salah and Mane. It's true. Whereas, it, whereas if he played for Arsenal and you was relying on fucking Pepe, you're pissed. <laughs> I think, to answer your original question, um, before we stray too far away, I do feel like Harry Kane's top three strikers in the world. I, f- I felt like... I'd say top, top two. Top f- I'd say he's top three for the past five years. I think he's top two. You look at the records, he's broken as well. Like, mm. Who's he, the, he's the first player to break Ronaldo and Messi's year record, calendar year record. Like, the third. Yeah, who's the third? Because people are saying top two because I, I, I thought it was just Lewandowski and Kane. But you're saying top three, so who's the third? I don't think anyone else comes close to them two. I think Aguero would yeah. have been third, let's say, I swear there's someone a year, year and a half ago. There, there's people um, like Oh, Aguero, um, no. What's, what's his name? Um, Benzema. Benzema, well, he's highly underrated. Ronaldo, if you're in, including <laughs> him as a striker, striker. Yeah. probably Ronaldo at third, but Maybe that's Ooh. just glamour of Ronaldo because you know will he hit 30, 40 goals this season? 20, 30? Mm, who knows? Aubameyang's top 10. All right. Anyway, <laughs> on to the next guy. <laughs> you know what? Last year in the Serie A, there was one person outscored Ronaldo. Um, I forgot what his name was. Oh, all, the, all the Italian it wasn't fans. Wasn't Immobile, was it? Yeah, I think Immobile. He got a lot more goals. Mad. And Lukaku, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put some respect on Lukaku's name. And knowing the fact that the man went from Everton to United, couldn't be more scummy than that. 
But right, he's a right very now, talented player. Right now, I'm thinking Erling Haaland is probably top five in the world. Ooh, that's a shout. That's a shout. Personally, I think he's just... I would say he's better than Aubameyang, though. I, I would say right now, since Aubameyang signed his contract, you know what I mean? I'll tell, tell you he's on par with Aubameyang. I'll say he's on no. par. Whether he put, have the same sort of output in the Prem, I don't know. But he's on the same path as Aubameyang, in the sense. He's at Dortmund right now. And his record at Dortmund right now is better than Aubameyang's if you're talking goals per game. But the thing is, like, yeah, like, like with Aubameyang, Aubameyang's playing left wing. Hey, he was playing left wing last season. And he yeah. was what, equal golden boot. That's and an excuse. No, no, no. He was playing left wing and he was overachieving. Yeah, 100%. He's a very versatile player. I'll give him that. But, mm. um, yeah, back to my questions, yeah. So... Yeah. I have three. I don't know if I'm going to ask them in the same one. So, my so I'll say the three, then you can answer them when you want to. So, my first one: Do you think Son is world class? Um, oh, yes, without a doubt. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't um, know. You want to ask me all three questions first? Yeah, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to ask you the three questions, then you can answer them when you feel yeah. ready. And my my second one is: Where do you rate Loris in the world ranking of keepers? Mm. And my third one. Um, oh yeah, what's your what's your expectations for Bell this season? Uh, so with Son, I think yes, he's world class. I think it's ridiculous to even question whether he's world class anymore. It, it's, out, it's outstanding for anyone to say he's not world class. Exactly. Like, if he was English, my word, yep, my word, the hype he would get. Like for me, not only is he a very talented finisher, like which is kind of what he's known for anyway. But keep in mind, even as a winger, he played more as a winger under Poch, and he was very creative. Uh, he's, he's got so many elements to his game. Uh, and I think his reading now of the game, uh, it, it proves under Poch he was, he was pivotal. And now under Mourinho, who's a completely different tactician, he, he's pivotal. And he is kind of the main goal outlet now with Kane dropping deep. Uh, but yes, 100% world-class. So wait, to, to jump in there, for the record, I do think Son's world-class. Oh I my think... days. I do. Why, why are you backtracking? I do. Bro, I'm not for, backtracking. No, literally for weeks, you've like, nah, he's not really world-class. He's just a really when good have player. I said that? Every time really we debate Oh yeah, you know, I may have said that. You know what? I... See, exactly. Madrid have never you know what is? You, you know what is with Son? He needs to be consistent week, uh, week in, week out for me. I think, I, think if, I, I think he is right now. I think with Son, he has all the attributes of a world-class player. He's fast, strong on the ball. He's skillful, left foot, right foot. Uh, his link-up plays really well. It's just in the past, and we all have to admit this, he had patches of really good form and then patches where he could just go missing. Yeah, but that's in the past, though. Like, I think he really made his name out on the world-class stage when Kane got injured in the 18-19 season. And he stepped up in the league, in the Champions League, scoring brace against City here, uh, the goal at home against City. He dragged us to that final, essentially. And um, even in the league, he was popping them in week in, week out. And then when you saw last season, when he got injured, um, Mm. obviously Kane got injured first, the Southampton game, and then Son broke his arm. We were still getting by until Son got injured and we had to play Lucas up top. I will admit, Son is one like probably the second or third most important players in that Spurs squad. 
he's very. I will take him at Liverpool. And you know what? I'll take him at Liverpool. Going back to that debate of top three strikers, arguably Son is third. Arguably, I know that sounds he's biased a as a striker. <laughs> he is a striker now. He's he not. is a yeah. Even if he comes in from the left. Uh, well, finishing. he doesn't get in over Salah and Mane then. I, f- I think he's on yeah, par. That's true. No, no, like. It, well, if, Salah and Mane. If if we're talking, if we're including attackers or goal scoring attackers, then that that makes the conversation really difficult for some. Because yes, yeah, Salah Mane, they will. They will and then play. Neymar's in there as well, isn't it? And Neymar, then Mbappe. Wow, we didn't even mention. Oh, Mbappe. Mbappe yeah, we didn't even talk about him. Oh my god. <laughs> Is Mbappe full on striker at PSG now? He's a, or is he's it a, a striker who plays wide. Oh my god, I can't believe I think that's I think that's kind of the same as Son. I think Son is tucking in a lot, whereas Lucas or Bayer on the other side kind of come a little a lot more central and create from there. Mm. But yeah, what was the second question? Larice. Yeah, where where would you I, rank Larice in the world? See, I'm regards to keepers. Oh yeah, had like a period where he got very inconsistent, made a lot of mistakes. And then I think since yeah. the, the restart, well, actually, yeah, <laughs> since, um, since the, he dislocated his elbow and came back, he hasn't actually stepped a foot wrong since then. And he's kind of, he's kind of reassured my faith in him at least. And I think a lot of Tottenham fans faith in him that he's still world-class because I think everyone was expecting a bit of decline. Would you put him in the, back in the top 10 in the world? 100%. I still would, yeah. I still would. Top 10. Maybe not top 5 anymore. I think a couple years ago, top 5. Who is your top 10? Top 10 keepers. Yeah. And then we can just say Lloris, innit? It's a a mix Lloris gets on the bottom. I think Lloris is on the bottom end of world-class. Well, you, you say that, but is the hair up there anymore? No, nope. the hair went from like one to completely <laughs> out of the list. Sorry, I we think, don't talk about the hair on this podcast. Like, <laughs> I think Allison and Edison are in there. I think Oblak, uh, obviously, Neuer, obviously, had Navas. a bit of a revival as well. Mm. Navas, yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's back up there. He had a bit of a Lloris revival recently, and I think he's he's been pivotal to PSG the last mm. season and a half. Uh, uh, Courtois, he's improved. Lately. Yeah, I think Chesney's in there. Mm. Do you know what? You know, on um, yeah. on keepers as well. Before I forget, I think it's actually proper sad that what's his name Henderson just getting rinsed on the bench at Man United. Yeah, it's um, a bit of a waste. I, I, I would have started waste. him. Yeah, proper waste. But yeah, carry on on, on the list. Uh, I've hit a bit of a mind blank actually, but yeah, Allison and Edison are definitely in there now. I think. Um, yeah, Addison, Edison. And then Lloris also in there. Lloris yeah. has to be in there. Yeah. And, um, I think Lloris comes in about sixth or seventh place, personally. I want to say Leno, still, but. Still put no. in there. <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh, I'll say. Oh, Tostegan. Tostegan's definitely in there. Oh, oh yeah. You forget about him. <laughs> yeah. Tostegan's top oh, two black. or three, if anything. Yeah, we mentioned him, O Black. No, there's um, a lot of top keepers out there. There is. Yeah, Roman Berkey, Berkey, he was so borderline average, but even he, as of late, has sort of had a bit of a revival at Dortmund. Mm. I don't know if he would make top 10, but, you know, he's Mm. been very consistent for them, kind of going a bit like down that that Widenfeller route where he he never really got recognition as a good keeper, but he was at Dortmund for like, what, 20 years, and he is now a club legend. He was a very good Mm. keeper for them. You You know who's a great keeper? And for reasons that you might not think about straight away, 
Kepper. Brilliant. Shut up. Long may he long may he stay at Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. That guy's been brilliant for the league ever since he came. Full time troll. And he's been good. <laughs> we got so much Chelsea fans out there. You know what it is. Who was I gonna say? Oh, Chelsea yeah, fans will agree with me. Uh, uh no, he's got little arms. <laughs> he's got little arms. Keep wait, him out of the conversation. Wait, managed to I'll finish Van Dyke season. I <laughs> Alright, on to the next podcast. On to the next topic, bro. <laughs> Again, football is done. What was, what was the third question? We've done it there. <laughs> um, expectations for Bell this season. That's a good one. He'll be... He'll be a rotation player, for sure. I don't think he'll ever be starting week really? in, week out. I think he will play the bigger games, because I think... I don't know. It's kind of weird. With Lucas, he wasn't really getting the goals and assists, but he's kind of pivotal with his energy and his work rate. Um, and he creates a lot of space for us with the amount of players he draws with his dribbling. But I'd, I'd, if Bale can get close to even 75% of what he was in his final season at Spurs, I think he starts most big games, at least, anyway. You know, I think you rest him for smaller games, Fulham's, Leeds. No offence to Fulham's or Leeds fans, but... Yeah, I think he will be a sort of a glamorous player. Uh, not glamorous, what's the word? He's sort of like a... Uh, luxury player. A good a player to bring player, off the yes. bench. Yeah, I think yeah. what Bale's biggest strength is right now is his name. You bring Bale on, you think, oh, Bale, four times Champions League winner, three times in a row, scored that bicycle kick, one... Strikes a bit of fear in the opponent, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. he gets into your head so that when he's drawing players away, I don't think he's as good as dribbling as he was a few years ago. But it's bail. You know, players just gravitate I, to him. Which I wonder us. as well, if Kane does pick up an injury, will Vinicius be the go to guy or will it be Bale? Because I yeah, think Bale will probably be his best I think that might be his best position now to do a bit of a Ronaldo transition. But I whether it'll happen a lot or of attackers. Yeah. He's a good header of the ball as well, Bale. And um mm. He's a big guy and he's very physical, so it could work. But then again, I don't know. It'd be a bit of a waste for Vinicius, I feel. But let's see. Let's see what happens. Hopefully, touch wood, you don't get injured. Mm-hmm. I think Bell, like, um, like with him this year, before he sort of lost motivation for football. It looked like because he has literally achieved nearly everything. Like four Champions Leagues, took Bell to a European semi-final. Like there's not really much higher you can go, and then with the Real Madrid fans cheat, like treating him the way he was being treated, I think he just sort of gave up. But him coming back to Tottenham, the club that brought him into football, essentially, obviously I know Southampton did, but the club that actually picked up momentum with, this might actually give him a resurge into football again, a bit more like motivation, like because Tottenham want to win the Prem. I'm sure he would want to look back at his career and say, yeah, I actually bought Tottenham a trophy. Do you know what I mean? So I'll tell you what then, plain devil's advocate, do you feel like the introduction to Bale or the injection of Bale into the squad would actually hamper your team? Because it could feel like, oh, no. because it's such a big player. No, hear me out, hear me out. Because he's such a big player, you feel like you have to play him in certain times and that might prevent you playing someone else who might be more effective in that game. Yeah, no, I think right now it would be a bit of a a hamper because I think um, with Bale in the team, like let's say everyone's talking about oh, Son, Kane, Bale, that sounds like the best front three in the league. 
actually, I don't think it works with Son, Kane, Bale. I think Bale comes in for Son more than he comes in for Lucas on the right wing. Because I think if you've got Son and Bale both in that team, they're both going to want to do a similar job. And that's running behind, play on the last defender and be through on goal. And especially with Kane doing the job he's doing now, dropping deeper, I think they're both going to want to do that. And I don't think it works. I think it worked better with Son doing that job and Lucas sort of coming in central and creating a bit of space from there. I think the balance is right with Son, Kane, Lucas. I think Bale disrupts that slightly, but whether Mourinho can find a workaround for it, I'm sure he can, because obviously Bale's world-class. He was at one stage anyway. I still think he can be. Do you know with do you know if Bell yeah like actually deep it fam? Man won four Champions Leagues, bro. That's four. more than some clubs, you know. Four. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like he wasn't sort of instrumental in any of them. He was kind of pivotal in all of them. Yeah, he was yeah. vital. A bit too instrumental in some of them, if I may say so. But um the last question I was gonna ask, a bit of a hefty one. What's your best ever Tottenham exile? Best ever. Mm-hmm. Ooh. it's going to be mainly Pochettino era players <laughs> it really will be I don't know, I don't know, this is a bit on the spot so I don't know if this is final draft but I'll say off to the top of my head I'll say Lloris in goal Carl Walker at right back I'm going to go for a 4 three, 3 I think as well I actually forgot Walker played you know? oh, he was phenomenal, I yeah. feel like when Walker left Spurs that was the beginning of the end why the Trippier league? Uh, he kind of got. I don't know. I feel like he got a bit neglected. He had a poor season, but apparently he was injury. He had an injury in that season, and he needed surgery that he never got. I don't know if that's true or not. I read that somewhere, but I, we all know when he went to Atletico, he ended up having a surgery anyway. So there's some weight behind it, but yeah, no idea. Did have a poor season uh, in this last season for Spurs. Oh yeah, I'd say Carl Walker right back. Off the top of my head, centre-backs, I think Jan Vertonghen's got to be in there and Ledley King, obviously, yeah. with a working knee. Hmm. Uh, if you're going Campbell. It... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, actually, yeah. that is actually a shout <laughs> because Sol Campbell was, was actually the last captain to lift the trophy for you, man. Well, oh. he wasn't. Robbie Keane was. I think Robbie Keane was. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Come on, G. Forget about that Worthington <laughs> Cup. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Nah, forget Sol Campbell, bruv. He gave his best years to you. Uh, left back. <laughs> left back. I'm not playing Rose in here. <laughs> Who else is that? Um, What's yeah, that guy cool. you had in like 2009 with a proper long name in the ponytail? Oh. Oh, Lee Young Pio. Oh, no, nah. <laughs> nah, he um, was um nah Darrell, do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly who you're talking about. I forgot. I his can't name. remember his name. He wasn't he playing so. under no, he was playing under Harry Redknapp. Redknapp. Harry Redknapp. He was playing yeah. under him. He had like I think it's because of A. Yeah, it was oh. like A. Oh, Benoit Suicotto. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the man who wanted to become a porn star. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still don't understand that. <laughs> Nah, you don't make it. You know, it's really annoying. I'm going to have to give it to Rose. Just based off my lifetime, I'm going to have to give it to Rose. Yeah, who else is there? I can't really think of anyone else. Or you... Spurs in it. If it's you wanted be Rose to. Based on a very good 15, 16, 16, 17. But we've yeah. never been blessed with left backs, really. If you wanted to, you could play Belder. 
You could actually. Nah, it's a cheat because I don't think it, it, was, <laughs> it was ever successful. I'm going to do this legit. Midfield, I'm going to go for a three. I'm going to go Christian Eriksen. Has to okay. be in there. Okay. Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And Moussa Dembele has to be in there. I was going to say Dembele as well. <laughs> Underrated Moose player, Dembele. very underrated player. Uh, heavily, you know, probably him. the most underrated player I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Because not, not even just from a Tottenham standpoint, not the bias. The ball. He, he done a job no one else in the world can do in the way he could just glide past people. And then front three, Kane's obviously the striker. Has to be. I'll put Bale in there because this is my lifetime. Mm. And finally... Think Son. Think it's got to be Son. You know, honourable shout out though. Defoe. Aaron Lennon. Ooh. Who? Aaron Lennon. Yeah, Aaron Lennon or the foe. As well. Yeah. It's a bit unfortunate on those sort of players because I feel like you know that was in an era of four four two where Lennon was a right mid, and now we've got right wingers who get so many goals and assists. It's like they kind of yeah, get shiny. overshadowed. But Lennon. Yeah, he he was such an effective player for us. The way he could just you know one two step over pass someone, his his crossing was always questioned. But mm. he was still better than Theo Walcott, so that's all good. Oh, mate, Lennon nah. was so pivotal to us. So I wouldn't pivotal. say that. People don't understand. I wouldn't say that. You know, Lightning. <laughs> no, no, no. Because like the thing is, yeah, with Theo Walcott, he could play striker as well. And yeah. There's, there's yeah, a lot of people like, that can play multiple positions. No, it's like, looking good. When you I don't look think at what, they were ever the same player anyway. I don't think yeah, like, they were compared because exactly, they were both light skinned right mids at the time who were rapid. But yeah, <laughs> no, think, do, you know, do you know what? Yeah, you I can't really compare like, them because Walcott won trophies and like, scored in finals and that. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 he scored 20 goals in one season. I don't think you can compare Lennon to Walcott. He's got yeah, there. but at the same time, Lennon never done that sort of job for us. Like he was, he was a very creative force. Actually, I think that goes under the radar with Lennon. Um, mm. But I think, yeah, I think you lot were a bit more advanced back then as well with your style of play. Obviously, you lot were a bit more t- ticky tacker under Wenger. Yeah, played slightly more advanced football back then, as painful as it is to say. Whereas we were sort of still, you know, four four two block, big man and small man, Berbatov and Keane. You know, we were. It was very much in a in a noughties. Oh shit, Berbatov! Oh my god, I forgot Berbatov even played for you, man. Uh, his best years came under United, probably. No, Berbatov gets into that team, surely. I think he was kind of equal for both. If you was he to won play a title with United, which overshadows his time at Tottenham. If you was to play a four four two, would you put Berbatov in it? With Kane, yeah. No, Son would go next to Kane. So, I think Son is more of a club legend than Berbatov is. Berbatov wasn't yeah, with definitely. us for long enough. Who would you put on the left then? Oh, no, wouldn't you put Son on the left and the far front with Harry Kane? The photo don't make it either, though, man. Like, it's hard. It's wow. hard. It's hard because I feel like in the, in the main, <laughs> we put, you know what, Canute A, Mido. Roberto Soldado. All the Spurs fans are like, yeah, go on. <laughs> I remember. What? We must we must have gone oh, through yeah. about 30 strikers from 2000 to 2010. Would you not say guys like 
like let's say Paul Gascoigne, Lineker. But were they like whether they were technically though. playing? Exactly. Were, were mm. they really our era? Okay. I never watched them. Obviously, I've seen clips of Gascoigne and Lineker's, but um, I had to base it purely off what I've seen. Yeah. Okay. And I plus, guess... um, it's kind of a modern based 11 that I was picking, sort of who would fit in a 4 3 3. I don't think Gascoigne and Lineker ever played in a 4 3 3. I guess um, I've got one closing question, unless you want to ask anything more. Um, with the big clash that's happening on the weekend, we've got two big managers kind of going head to head. And this is an open, open question. Whose legacy do you think will be stronger once they've both retired? Mourinho's or Pep's? Like they're, they're both some of the biggest managers we have this ever seen. This is some mad questions to ask. It's, last it's like asking Messi or Ronaldo. They're both in the same I, class. I, I was going to say, like, I think it comes down to personal preference because even before Tottenham appointed Mourinho, I've always been Mourinho over Pep. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Pep. I think, yeah, he, he revolutionised that sort of style of football, uh, you know, quick one-twos and all of that. But he's, like a, he's always done it with a big club. I don't see Pep having quite the same legacy as Mourinho for me because Mourinho won a Champions League with a Liga Nos club. <laughs> Mourinho <laughs> took a very sort of disjointed Inter Milan team at the time and made them treble winners. You know, I think mm. even that United team, that United team was never good, bro. Never good. And he won a, he won a League <laughs> Cup with them a Europa League and yeah. got them to second. Wait, if, he was a trophy Spurs, if he wins a trophy with Spurs, he has to hands down be the greatest manager of all time. <laughs> if he, I think if he wins a big trophy with Spurs, a Prem or a UCL, I think there is That's no doubt in Mourinho anymore. Especially uh, now, because he's at a time where people are starting to say he's a bit done out here, like his style of football don't work in the modern game anymore. If he can win one of two of the biggest prizes with Tottenham, a team who couldn't do it under a very, uh, a very modern coach like Pochettino, I think mm. his legacy is timeless. He proved I tell all you what, the haters wrong. If Mourinho wins either the Premier League or the Champions League with Spurs, I will do a podcast in full Tottenham kit. Do you know what? Yeah, with um, <laughs> with like with like Pep and like Mourinho, yeah, mm. we're only mentioning trophies but I think there's so much more to it because like let's say if you was to ask me whose legacy is going to go down better like now if you said Wenger or Mourinho like obviously you would say Mourinho's won like was it three Champions Leagues was it two um two no three Chelsea won two no no he didn't win Mourinho. Mourinho. yeah Mourinho three. won it twice hasn't he twice yeah, in our in Porto yeah, so like when you look at what he's done, but with like a guy like Wenger, I don't know if I'm serving a conversation here, but like, like he like stayed in a club for like over 20 years and went through like a rebuild. So I don't know if it's just down to like overall of all the managers, like is it just down to trophies or is there other things that they could have done to put them in that conversation? Trophies is the currency of success in football. I feel like unless a manager has done something so unique that it, it kind of stains history. I feel like even if you remember a great manager now, if they don't have the stats to kind of back it up, in about 50, 100 years' time, will you remember them? I bet you in the 80s, 70s, or 60s, there was a lot of good managers out there that are kind of in the... 
I don't know who were just really talented, but because they haven't won trophies, they'll never be remembered. What do you think? Like, Wenger was a great coach. Wenger oh, was a great coach. But he, I think... He's left his stain on the Premier League, so of course he's going to go down as a great. But I feel he's like a... he painted his own reputation. Yeah, he, he took Arsenal into a different era of football. He was another one like Pep sort of revolutionised the game. I think he introduced mm. so many sort of dietary things and, and things like that that he brought over with him from Japan or wherever it was he was coaching. And I think... Um, I think the only thing that hampers him as a manager and his legacy is he never won a UCL in 20-odd years at Arsenal. Which... Do you know what it is, yeah? Like, I would say for me, it's like, you know, with Jose, Jose's always jumped to the right situation for him. And I think Tot- Tottenham and Man U were two of the first ones where it's like, obviously Porto, he was, that's where he was, like, starting at, and then he won the UCL. Um, but it's like, he's always sort of, okay, this isn't right. And then he goes to the right one and the same with Pep. But with like Wenger, especially after the Emirates thing, he wasn't really in the right position to win like a UCL and still got close. I think that deserves a lot of credit in regards to it's that. It's true. And then it's obviously... He, yeah, but he left halfway it. through and sort of went to Real Madrid halfway through his like legacy at Arsenal and never won anything with Real Madrid and then went, maybe went to like a Juve and didn't win a UCL with a Juve. I think it would hamper him more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, I think that he transitioned yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. I think that obviously overstayed us welcome. But with Arsenal, it's so complex because there's so much more with the board and shit like that. But who knows? Maybe his career isn't over. Well, the, yeah. the way I say it is you could have a happy marriage for 50 years, but if she cheats on you at the end of the 50, you're going to have good memories. It's, the, it's that lasting effect that... What do you mean by that, though? What I mean by... Listen... I'm going to put my personal opinion to the side because I feel like uh, Arsene Wenger is probably the second greatest manager that the Premier League has ever seen. There's a Mm. debate whether you want to put him above Mourinho or not. That's out there. So I do rate Wenger for everything he's done. But what I mean by Premier League, yeah, you sort of have to. But what I mean with the analogy that I use of the marriage wife is that it doesn't matter how long you've had good memories with them if you finish on such a bad or toxic note, it can have a great ha- effect on how you're remembered. It hampers all the good memories. It just, yeah. uh, just the other day, I think it was on BBC Sports, Lampard said that one of his biggest risks is managing Chelsea because he can throw his 13-year uh, career of success at Chelsea out the window. He, if he does a terrible job at Chelsea and drops out the top four, doesn't win anything... You think people are going to remember, oh, remember Lampard, Champions League winner, Premier League winner? No, they're going to yeah, remember they the guy that made Chelsea crash and burn. Nah. That's a, literally if. It's a big if. Yeah. If Chelsea started finishing 10th and they lost all their big players, people are going to remember that. So. I would say if it was like, for example, in Arsenal's case with Artel, if it's a player that was, was subpar when they played, yeah, fair enough. It may state your thing. But if it was like Henri because he's the comparison for Lampard and Chelsea, it wouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't hate him. I, I'm not saying hate. Uh, I'm not saying they'll hate him. I'm just saying that... It's like... If, it's... if you classify them as, like, the best of the best, it's just enough to be like, oh, he was really good. Would you do that if it was Gerard, though? Well, th- this is the thing. Gerard, in every Liverpool fan's mind, was the great, like, probably the second greatest player Liverpool had ever seen. Second. It depends on how old 
it depends on how old you are. So someone like my dad would be like Kenny Dugleish all day. Every yeah, day. I've heard that like, a lot. Whereas the younger generation, all they've known is Steven Gerrard, his Mr. Liverpool. I think but, a player's legacy is safer than like a manager's legacy as well. Like I think yeah. Wenger could have ruined his reputation at Arsenal and the memories more than like a Lampard could if he does a shit job at Chelsea. As a manager, that is. You, it is possible. Do you think anyone else could have done that though? In regards to what he did, being able to keep them at top four and obviously we're seeing how hard it is to be in the top four now. Like stayed there for... No, I mean like oh, what... Yeah, like what he did, do you, do you think anyone else could have done that? Well, Sir Alex Ferguson did. Yeah, like, but Ferguson's like messy. Like, he's just an exception. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's just, he's just, Fer- Ferguson's Ferguson. Do you know what I mean? He's like finals for you. Just, just don't get near him. It's true, it's true. And it hurts to say it. But um, there's only still a few managers out there that could. Yeah. You're talking about your elite managers, your Sir Alex Ferguson's, your Peps, your Mourinho's, your. Ancelotti's, your Jurgen Klopp's. Then again, he did have a bad run with Dortmund towards the end of his Dortmund career. But Klopp, yeah, but you can't, you can't downplay him. For that. Pu- you had Bayern Munich. No, 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 no. You're you're talking about managers that can keep Arsenal in the top four for twenty oh, years. Oh, okay. I was just saying. So there's not man- many managers that could have done what Arsene Wenger did. Do you know what? With with Klopp, I actually thought he was going to go to Arsenal or for. Thing. I think if Wenger left a bit earlier, um, we would have had a lot more contention to maybe get a Klopp or a Pep. I think yeah. Arsenal was more appealing back then than Liverpool yeah. was coming back yeah. from like a Brenda's Rod- Brendan Rodgers team. Definitely. Yeah, a very we, we had a little spike of success. Well, I say success. We had a spike of really good form. And then once Suarez left and Sturridge kept getting injured, we just crashed and burned. Mm. And we was in a worse situation. Like We finished eighth. Finished below Everton. Do you know what? In yeah. my lifetime, I'm, I'm 23 years old, and in my <laughs> lifetime, I have seen Liverpool finish below Everton twice. This is twice. Why, this is why my new fans, I don't get them. They literally won the league in 2013, bro. Yeah, I know that you need to aim higher, but bro, you need to take time to rebuild, fam. Liverpool took 30 years. Listen, li- listen, listen. That. <laughs> Is a whole other podcast within it. But itself. it's true, though. <laughs> it's so true. true. You know, I tell you what. Man, have for that conversation. Cavani, for that conversation. Rashford, Martial, and they're saying let's finish top four when they finish third. Joke. We'll bring out. We'll bring out Joke a United ting. fan for that topic, and I'm sure there's United fans out there that wants to. The hey, yeah. the best keeper in the world, like five years ago. <laughs> Joking. Um, you don't know Dre like I do. Yeah. Chelsea literally. as well. Oh, let's aim for top four when we finish fourth. Joking. Werner Havertz, Thiago Silva, joking. How many teams you want to shoot for? <laughs> it's a joke thing, though. It is. I'm, I'm bringing out everyone to to debate you. <laughs> but on <laughs> on that note, um, thank you to my co-host Dre and our guest star Erx for joining me on this podcast. And yes, any yes. final words from anyone? Nah, I think I had a couple more questions, but I'm not going to ask you. No, keep you up there. <laughs> yeah, come wait, on, you Spurs. What's the wait? Wait, last question. Last question. Um, yeah, prediction for Tottenham this season. Where do you think they're gonna finish? Yeah, um, or or, or actually, do you know what? what's your top six prediction? And then we'll know it through that anyway. Yeah, that's true. What is your top six prediction? Top six. So I think Tottenham will be in the top six. I think, I think Tottenham and Arsenal will actually make the top four this season. So do I. Um, I think. 
United fall out of it. Chelsea, maybe fifth or sixth, I reckon. Embarrassing. Leicester could sneak a fourth. Um, I actually could see City dropping out of it as well. So I'm going to say... What? Liverpool now as well, you know. Liverpool now with the injuries. I'm, I'm, calling, <laughs> I'm calling an end to this one. No, 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 no. I need to hear this. This, this, this season's going to be a mess. This season will be a mess. Yeah. There's not going to be no 100.95 points. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Be a chase. It's possible. So, this is what I was saying last one. Yeah. Do you remember, yeah, when you, when you were saying, what do you think about the season? I said, the Premier League is back. Because it's back to the olden days where where it's like anyone can get it, anyone can get you know it. What? You know what? Go back, go back to two thousand and five, and then enjoy your time there. But <laughs> now, wait, wait, wait! What's the top six? I still ain't even heard the top six. Wait, man! Stop oh, you said it, oh. bro. There's time. Say, Chill out. I'm gonna say Tottenham, <laughs> Arsenal, in no particular order. This is Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Leicester. Wait, wait, wait! Wait, no, no order. It's got to be in order. Yeah, it has to be in order. It's got to be in order. You can't, I can't, you, you can't I really, get off that I easily. Can't. It has to, I you can't predict it, an order. Every single person that comes on the podcast has to say they're top six. I think with these injuries Ooh. now, I don't think Liverpool are winning the league this season. So, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The front runners would be Spurs, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say have it. To, so you, know you, what? Have, you have to say top six. <laughs> I, uh, you know what? Yeah, Tottenham first. All right, cool. We got it. Tottenham first. I'm, I'm going for 15, 16 vibes. Leicester to win the league. <laughs> wow. Tottenham to reckless. come second. Because I'm not going to predict Tottenham to come first ever. Uh, I just want to see it happen. Um, Arsenal third. Actually, no. Chelsea third. I think Arsenal Man said Leicester first. City and Liverpool outside top four. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, City fifth, maybe. Because I, I think with this new contract signing... Top, and I say, I'm going to say Liverpool 6, believe it or not. I'm going to say Liverpool 6. If you had a fully fit squad, I'd probably be saying second or third. Van Dijk out all season? Uh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll put Liverpool fifth, actually, because you haven't got too many long-term injuries. Trent might cu- will come back. Uh, Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez is having surgery, isn't he? So I don't know, bro. I don't know with you. Fuck it. 18th, relegation. I don't know, bro. It's so hard to predict oh this season, goodness. honestly. I'm signing out. I, this is reckless. <laughs> I ain't got a clue, bro. Honestly. You know I'm even mad. I never said anything. Don't put I, this on I me. Don't, I don't know what I put in this guy's hot chocolate, but this guy is even <laughs> wild. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You'll be in the top six, but I don't know where. I honestly can't <laughs> in the where. top six? <laughs> yeah, you'll be in the top six. six. Bro, we'll come back to this podcast at the end of the season. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not even saying it just to slander Liverpool, but I like right. Liverpool, but right, now, it is what it is. Now we need to end it. Uh, not, yeah, desperate. Thank you, everyone, for joining, and I hope you stay safe in these questionable times. <laughs>